So we are in week two of a series entitled Obstacles to Faith. There are things that we know get in our way of our growing. And last week we looked at doubt. Tonight we're going to be looking at disappointment. And um, everybody at every age experiences disappointment. I've got a story for you in a minute, but I remember when my two oldest children, one of whom is in this room right here, uh, her name is Ellie, but her older sister Kayla uh, was born, so she was born, Kayla was born February 26th. Two years later, Ellie was born February 5th. What that meant was that Ellie celebrated her birthday three weeks before Kayla. So what that meant was Kayla had to, let's say they're like, you know, four and two, right? So they're about to turn four and Ellie's turning two. So the little, little almost four-year-old Kayla has to sit there while Ellie gets a birthday party and Ellie gets a birthday balloon and Ellie gets to go on her birthday breakfast trip with dad to McDonald's and Ellie gets all these different things and Kayla just had to sit there over and over and over again and watch Ellie get all of these things and just be so frustrated that she didn't get them because it didn't seem fair to her. In fact, one of these years that she had all these things happening to her younger sister experiencing them, she said this to me. She goes, kind of like fighting back tears, she goes, Dad, could my birthday come first next year? And I had to explain to her, which didn't help. But I was like, I, actually, Kayla, your, your birthday comes first now. Because you're going to get your birthday in a couple of weeks. And then Ellie has to wait 49 weeks until she... That didn't help. It didn't help at all. It didn't mean... It was like, this conversation is pointless. But uh, we learn early in our lives this understanding of taking care of our own rights. If someone else gets something, then we better get it too. And then parents have this really just helpful phrase that says, when we say that's not fair, they say, what do they say? Life's not fair. Do they still, do parents still say that? Life's not fair? So not helpful. Like it doesn't, if it's true, but it doesn't help, right? But I don't know. We, we're, we, we're figuring this out as we go. And for some, sometimes life's not fair is the best we can come up with, uh, even though it's not helpful. So Uh, The Rolling Stones pointed this out. You can't always get what you want. Anybody know that song? It's a great song. Uh, It's true. It's annoying. My earliest vivid memory of dealing with disappointment involves uh, when I was in the fifth grade, and I uh, was interested in doing theater things, and my mom heard there was auditions for the play Oliver happening in downtown Austin, we lived in, in Austin, and so she's like, well, you should go, you should audition. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. How many of you know this play, Oliver? Have you may know this play? Great music, it's based on Oliver Twist, and the star of the show is this kid, Oliver. He sings a bunch of songs, and I was like, there's no chance I'm going to be Oliver for many reasons. I've never been in a play before. Also, I was, I was a little, like, I, I wasn't a fat kid, but I was a little bit, you know, husky was the word that you would use. And it would, you wouldn't have necessarily looked at me and thought, ah, this kid is undernourished. You'd just be like, no, he doesn't miss many meals. Probably not going to be the... But, but for many reasons, that being among them, I was like, that, I'm not going to be you know, the, the, the star of the show. Well, auditions go on. I, ke- I keep performing. I keep singing. I get callbacks. I, I sing the, this final song. And somehow, I don't even remember how it worked, but I saw my name 
on the director's little notepad, and it's got a star by my name. So early on the process, I was like, I would have just been so happy just to be in it, just to have any part whatsoever. But at this point, I'm like, they really like me. Like, I think this is happening. I think I'm going to be the star of the show. This is incredible. So I get home from school that next day. I call the theater and uh, I said, yeah, this is Siler. I'm wondering if I got a part. And they said, oh yes, congratulations. You have been cast as the part of Charlie Bates. Congratulations. Rehearsals start next week. And I said, thank you very much. And I hung up the phone and I did what any sort of normal, well-adjusted 10-year-old would do. I grabbed my Oliver songbook that had all of the music for the musical Oliver. And I ripped it to shreds. I literally started tearing the pieces of the songbook apart. It's embarrassing even to share this story with you again, but I literally threw them all over. I went into a rage. I had an, just like, because I was so disappointed. I was so sad. And then it was, I had this like moment of realization of like, what have I done? I'm, I'm crying. And I'm like looking over at this shredded songbook. And then I'm like, we had to pay for that, and my mom's going to be really mad at me. So I then literally started gathering the pieces and got the tape out and taped it all back together. And, and you know, I wish I still had that. I don't, I don't have any more. But um, I, was, I was disappointed. Moreover, there were three of us that were called back for, for the role of Oliver. The other two boys were double cast as Oliver. I was the only one that didn't get it. So just, oh, oh, oh. So... That was just one of many, you know, challenging things that would come my way in my younger years. When I was in uh, sixth grade, I finally got up the courage to ask this girl, Colleen Corcoran, to go with me. That's what you did in the 80s. You said, would you go with me? They didn't say where. They knew what you were talking about. We didn't go steady. Okay, that's, that's like for the boomers, all right? I'm Gen X, all right? Will you go with me? And she sort of basically said... I'll get back to you. I'm still waiting to hear back from Colleen. Uh, So I think it was a no. I think it was a no. But I can't be sure. You know, we'll see. Um, So uh, that happened to me. Um, Oh, yeah. A year later, I was sure I was was a good player on the baseball team. I was sure I was going to make the all-star team. Didn't make the all-star team. Um, When I was in high school, we had this one-act play competition. We won... Every round we got to state, we were like, I thought we were the best show at this competition. And all we had to do was get through it and not be too long. Don't run over time or else you get disqualified. We were two seconds over time. We were disqualified. We didn't, we'll never know whether we would have won state competition that year. Uh, Lots and lots of things just sort of go your way. So uh, let me just throw out some scenarios for you. Uh, If any of them sound familiar, you're in class and uh, the teacher says, now, I've got one particular project here that I'm really, I think th- this person did a really good job. And you're like, oh, maybe it's me. May I, I think I did a good job in this project. And they, they really understood the assignment. They really did it well. And the person, they read it to the class, and it's like your arch nemesis. You know, you're not supposed to have enemies, but you know, you know, whoever. And you know, that kid is such a kiss up and such an obnoxious, annoying, and you're like, oh, anybody with that person. So frustrating. Why didn't they choose mine, Right. You're on a sports team. This happens a lot. You're on a sports team, and you work really hard in season, off season. You put in all the effort, and some of you don't, you don't even make the team. Or you work hard, and you ride the bench all 
season long. And people that you're, you know, you think you're, you're better than the people that are starting. But it's politics, right? And they're not getting, you're not getting any playing time at all. Maybe you are, uh, you try out for the school play, you don't get a part, or you, you, instead of getting the lead, you get some small part. And the person that gets the lead is terrible, and everybody knows it, but, you know, it wasn't you. Um, people that you thought were your friends decide they're not your friends anymore. Then there's the whole realm of romantic relationships, right? Just like the aforementioned Colleen Corcoran. You know, you might ask, and they're still waiting to get back to you. Um, if you, if there's, some of you have dealt with this, with there's so much prom drama, that's, you know, a few months away, but um, there's so many things that happen to us in our lives where we, we feel rejected, we feel disappointed, and what do we do with that? I didn't know what to do with that when I was your age. As you can see, especially when I was younger, how I dealt with it was by tearing up a songbook in the middle of my house all alone. Not a healthy way of dealing with your anger or your, your disappointment, right? But the reality is I was upset. I was disappointed. And I didn't really know what to do with that. We have a couple of choices. One is that we can throw a pity party for ourselves, right? The problem with a pity party is that nobody shows up for your pity party. Nobody wants to be there. Nobody, you know, if you're the kind of person who's just always complaining about how bad things happen to you, uh, it's, it's, it's just not the kind of person that other people want to be around. The alternative is to say, this is normal. We all face disappointment in life. And as followers of Jesus, we actually have a path forward that doesn't alienate people it doesn't blame other people. It doesn't make us difficult to be around. Um, there's some things that we can do that will help. And so what I want to do tonight is offer you five truths to grasp and then sort of a path forward that will help us. So the first truth that we need to understand is that God gets the glory. If we are by nature glory seekers, that's, that's sort of how we were built. We were built to have people pay attention to us, some more than others, right? So there's just some people that just, we, we love, even if you're not the kind of person who wants attention, you sometimes want attention. You want people to, to notice you. You want uh, people to tell you that you've done a good job. And that's okay. That's, that's normal. But if we are always only looking for us to get the glory, we will be disappointed. There's only one person who deserves all of the glory and all of the credit, and that's God. And God himself actually cares, and this is sort of a concept that we're not going to spend a lot of time on, but God, as the greatest being in the universe, is the only one who can demand glory and who j invites us to join in his glory. Kind of like a sports team, right? When, think about it. If you follow and root for a sports team, you are following the sports team. It's like, it doesn't, make, it doesn't really make a lot of logical sense. Like if you, like when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, I was absolutely out of my mind when they won. I talked about my, we did it, we won. Like it was, it was this amazing emotional moment. What do you mean it's we? I, I had nothing to do. I wasn't on the team, you know? But I shared in the glory of the winning team. When they received that championship, that trophy, because I identified myself with that winning team, 
I got to experience the glory. In the same way, God, as the greatest being in the universe, he says, I made myself to be glorious. And God says, I invite you to join me in that glory. So, for instance, when we come to a worship setting, what we're doing is joining in the glory of who God is, and we are saying it's the greatest celebration. It, it really is one of the things I think we can learn from sports, something more than just you know, a hobby, that when we cheer for a winning team, the excitement that we feel when our team wins, we can compare that to the excitement that we feel when we worship God. God says, and here's a couple of verses from, from the prophet Isaiah. He says, next, yeah, for my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. And he says, everyone who's called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. God is first of all interested in bringing glory to himself. It sounds conceited. It's not because he is the greatest being ever. And he says, join me. Join me in my Glory. So if we will join him in giving him glory, then this, the other stuff doesn't matter. If we say, God, your, your glory is the one that counts, then no matter what else happens, we can say, I don't need the glory because I can give God all the credit and all the glory, and he always wins, so I can join in that glory. That's point number one, God gets the glory. Number two is understanding that we deserve nothing, but we get all we need. We don't deserve glory or praise. We are selfish, and we think that we are owed all sorts of things, but God, God doesn't owe us anything. But he promises to meet our needs. There's this passage that we looked at last year in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6. Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Look, he says, consider the, 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 the flowers out there. Look at how beautiful they are. God takes care of them. Look at how those birds that are, that are flying all around. God provides for them. And he says, look, birds and flowers are nothing compared to how God cares about you. So if he takes care of the birds and the flowers, how much more will he take care of you? He says, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and him and everything that you need will be, will be taken care of. So we don't deserve anything, but we get everything that we need. We just have to shift our understanding in terms of what it is that we think we deserve. If we start by saying, hey, I don't deserve anything, but God gives me what I need, then our perspective changes. That's number two. Number three is this. We have to understand that God is in control and he is good all the time. God is in control and he is good. And I've got this little verse here, and I've given entire talks just on this little verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it's really easy to remember. You can, like, memorize this verse right here in this room happening tonight. So uh, some, of, some people will find it helpful to have, like, like hand signals to, to go along with this, but it's really simple. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. That will help you if you want to try and, right here, okay? So, well, do you want, do you want the hand motions too? All right, we're going to do hand motions with it too. Okay, so, um, yeah, yeah, you would. You would start thinking about glory for your own TikTok account, Gavin, all right? 
Uh, so, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. So, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. All right, we'll do it together. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Take it off the screen, Mac. That'll go viral. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. You did it. You just memorized scripture. Good job. <laughs> Psalm forty-eight, eleven. All right. So, and it's it's the second half. That's why it says B. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. What does this mean? What this means is. If there is a good thing that God has for us, he will not withhold it from us if we are walking in his path, okay? I, it's really hard for me to believe this and to walk this out. It was certainly hard for me to believe this too. So for instance, if I, and again, I was 10, like I, I, it, it's normal for me to be disappointed. But if I had had this understanding, hey, you weren't supposed to be cast as Oliver, dude. You were supposed to be cast as Charlie. And don't worry about it. Because that good thing, God doesn't withhold good things from you, man. So the good thing that he had for me when I was 10 was being the part that I got. And uh, that I got to enjoy that and trust in that. This is, is easy to apply uh, to a lot of disappointments in life. When we get passed over, when we think we're going to get something, whether it's the part in the play or the part on the, the team or getting into the college we thought we were going to get into or whatever it is, it's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to let that hurt. It's okay. Don't, don't Make sure you hear me say this. We're going to talk about this as we wrap it up too, but it, it's okay for it to hurt. Like that's just totally normal. But the next uh, thing that you can do is to say, you know what? No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. If I'm walking blamelessly, that is if I'm, doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I'm walking and desiring to, to follow God and surrender to him. If that, whatever it is, romantic relationship, place in that you know, college, part in the play, notice for whatever it is, that disappointment that I feel I missed out on, I need to remember, oh, okay, God doesn't withhold good things from his children. So I didn't need it. It wasn't for me. It was something that I thought I needed, but it turns out I didn't. And if you go around here, to, I can tell you a bunch of stories, especially older folks in the room, they can tell you time after time of things that they were so disappointed that they didn't get. And then they realize, oh, God had a plan. I thought I wanted this, but he had something different. And that different thing was so much better. I just had to trust him in that. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. We have to trust that God is in control and he is good. Number four, there will always be people more and less blessed. First Corinthians 12 talks about how we're all given different gifts. And sometimes we can look at someone else's gifts and we go, man, what, why didn't I get that gift? I, that, that, you know, I wish I had that gift. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, look, no, everybody gets gifts. Some are different than others. We just have to know that there will be people who have 
more apparent blessings than us. But remember this, when you look at somebody else and say, I wish I had their blessing, understand there's probably someone looking at you saying, man, I wish I had their blessing, right? We're always going to know that there's people with more and less blessings than us. Which brings us to our last point, which is we shouldn't waste our time comparing. In John 21, Jesus has just told Peter that he will probably die a death that he would rather not. And it says uh, that it's a death by which he would glorify God. So then Peter starts thinking about himself, starts thinking, well, is he going to make someone else die like this? And John is standing there. So Peter refers to him and says, what about him? And Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And then the rumor is spread that something, you know, was going to happen to John. But Jesus' point was, look, don't spend your time looking at other people's lives and saying, what about, what about him? And, and is that fair? What, 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 am I going to get what he gets? Is he going to get what I get? What the comparison game, which we all play, it's impossible not to play. And social media makes it even harder to not play. But the comparison game is always a losing game. For a time, you might feel better than somebody else, but then you're going to see something else, and you're going to go, I wish I looked like that. I wish I had what they had. And if we will trust that God is good, that he provides for us, that no good thing does he withhold, withhold from those who walk as blameless, we won't need to compare. We can live our lives, be grateful for what we have, and live to be a blessing to those around us. So those are the truths to grasp. And then there's two things that I want us to think about, steps to move forward as we wrap up. The first one, and I said this before and I want to reiterate it, it's to be honest. Don't, don't pretend, it doesn't do you any good to be like, I am so grateful that I got cut from the play. No, I'm so happy, it's great. No, listen, being dumped is the best. I loved being dumped, it was so fun, guys. No, no one's going to believe you. No one's going to believe you. So don't, you know, be sad, be, be upset, let, the hurt is real, it's okay. But be honest with God about it. Say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm upset, this hurts, I'm disappointed. Tell a friend, yeah, I'm upset, I'm sad. I'm sad that this didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Be honest first. But then the next thing uh, is to ask God to give you real joy for others' blessings. So I think we can do this. I think we can become people who if we have our hearts set in the right place and we are honest with, with our own frustrations, when other people get blessed and when good things happen to other people, we can say, ah, that's great. That is so, I'm so happy for that person. We can have the kind of eternal, uh, biblical Christian perspective that if God is burning at the center of our lives, we can be content. That's a difficult word to get to. It's a difficult place to get to, a place of contentment. Everything in the world around us says, don't be content. You need to buy this. If you don't, unless you buy this, you're not going to be happy. Social media says, look at how happy this person is. Mm, you'll never get there. 
You're never going to be happy. Look at how many followers they have. Look at how all of the good things that are happening to them. Contentment has never been harder, but it's always been easy to find if we will just come to the cross. Come to Jesus and say, this is what matters. This is what's important. God, your glory. God, bringing joy to you and bringing joy to your people is all that really matters because we will find that when we do that, when we uh, sort of trust and surrender all that we have to God and say, I have everything I need in you, God. If we can get to that place, then we can feel joy for others' blessings. We can, we can sort of be sad when disappointment happens to us, but we can shrug our shoulders and say, well, that blessing wasn't for me, and I have all that I need in God. Difficult to get to, but I think that is what God wants for us, is a life of contentment and joy in him that feels disappointment but doesn't live in it and trusts God for what's next. Let's pray.